Greetings in the name of the Lord. Bishop James E. Collins, Senior Pastor of Eagle Heights Cathedral in Revere, Massachusetts, believes the Word of God is life to all who hear and receive it. Today, as you receive God's Word, know that not only are you receiving life, but your life will never be the same. For God's Word does not return void. It prospers in the thing for which He sends it. And He sends His Word to change our lives. This is your day for a life change. Now please join us for today's message. Second Kings 6, beginning at verse 1. It says, And the sons of the prophets of Elijah said to Elijah, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there. And let us make a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with him. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and he said, Alas, master, for it is borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and he threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand And he took it. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. As Lady Brenda mentioned last Sunday, I announced that God had called us into a season of prayer and fasting. 40 days beginning this day. And I want to tell you that I did not call you into this fasting off of the whim of a mere man because I felt some emotion. I want to tell you that God is calling us to fast and pray, church. For we need God as we never needed him before. And when I say we, I do not simply talk about Eagle Heights Cathedral. I am talking about all of the churches in America and specifically New England. Tommy Tenney said this in his book, Secret Sources of Power. Our nation is rapidly being conformed to the image of the world with its many gods and many ways to salvation. America is worshiping a demonic power, the occult, pleasure, and even death itself. For more than a decade, many top television shows and movies have prominently featured witchcraft, occult, and the demonic. Then he said this, however, the greatest idol of all on the American scene is the worship of man and self. I want to say something, church, that as Lady Brenda and I were away in Seattle and we were on that journey to find her family, the Holy Spirit was still speaking to me. And in the middle of just having conversation, God said, I want you to tell the people that I'm looking for something or somebody to silence the false prophets of the profane in this nation. We need something that will shut the gainsayers down today. And it won't happen with the debaters and the loud preachers, the superior training programs, or larger sound systems. And I want to say that we brag a lot about our big churches in this country. And we are in many of these churches so impressed with ourselves. And none of these things are bad or evil. But the only thing that will do what needs to be done in this nation is not the size of this church, but the power of God. And it needs to be expressed through selfless Christians who understand that we need the yoke anointed breaking power of God. And listen, we have a twofold problem in the church in America. On one hand, we have some of the largest churches, 
But please understand that most of our churches are 75 people or less. And in this country, anything over a thousand people is considered big stuff. Who do we see on TV? Who do we see on Daystar and TBN and on the Word Network? We see those who pastor the largest churches. You never see them bring people on TV who pastor churches of 20 and 50 and 150 members who work and pray and bleed for souls, probably more than even those of the larger churches. We never see them bring them on TV and say, we want to thank you for staying in the trenches and in the battle for not quitting, even though you have not seen phenomenal growth. And I am not knocking large churches and those who pastor the large churches. What I'm saying this morning is that we need to realize a sobering moment in the body of Christ in America And that is that we have a twofold problem that no matter how large and how many large churches we have in America, we need to understand that not one of the 50 largest churches in the world resides in America. One pastor who pastors a church of about 7,000, whose church is arguably one of the best small group based models in America, he told Tommy Tenney that he had recently attended a conference overseas and what he discovered there brought tears to his eyes. He said, Tommy, there's something that griped me at this conference. He explained that the conference sponsored a workshop for the largest pastors who pastored churches larger than 100,000. And then he said, I couldn't stand it. I just opened the door and I stuck my head in the meeting to see if there was even anybody in there. And when he opened the door, there were about 20 or 30 people in there. And then he said it just griped him that he couldn't go in there. And then with tears in his eyes, he told Tommy, then it dawned on me, Tommy, nobody in that room was American. Here's what I'm driving at, church. That man pastors a church of 7,000 people, and by American standards, he is considered to be successful. And please understand that it is admirable to have a church of 7,000 in a city of 400,000. But like myself, I know that he desires to do more for the glory of God. But what we have in most cases in America is what I would like to call the thousand and over epidemic. We have become a church in America where pastors and people have become head counters. Numbered chasers who are interested in competing with other pastors so we can brag about our Sunday attendance so much so that we have lied to ourselves about and believed our lie that the churches in America are growing. When really, church, please pay attention. We are not growing. We are simply playing musical chairs, moving people from church to church. And pastors are encouraging people to leave their churches and come to their church. So the first problem, the dilemma that we have in America is that the good news is that the church in America is not dying. But the bad news is that 80% of us are not growing. We have become a statistic-driven organization rather than a living anointing organism that is driven for reaching the lost who don't know Jesus. Do you know where the fastest growing church in the world resides today? It is in Iran where people are being persecuted for the name of Jesus. But that church is growing and it is prospering. While in America, we are counting numbers. I was preaching in a church and a young pastor said to me, Bishop, they're coming from everywhere. And I looked at him and tears began to fill my eyes because when I looked at his congregation, 
I began to recognize that he was not winning souls, but that he had people in their church that they were proselytizing and they were bringing out of other people's churches. Please understand, it is not about me having a, this, this ego that says those are my people. We don't own people. They are God's people. But it's about an epidemic in the church in America. John Maxwell says it like this, that everything rises and falls on leadership. And while I know that no pastor can stop people from coming and he can't stop them from going, there is a problem that begins and ends with pastors and it begins that we go the sheep go as the shepherds go and we have become number chasers rather than soul chasers and while we steal and count sheep to massage our egos hell has enlarged itself preparing for the souls lost and never won because the church of jesus christ is moving by wrong motive And if there was ever a nation and i know this is some during this morning but this is the word of god if we will receive it if this nation would ever realize that there's a nation that is ripe for revival, it is surely the United States of America. And it is well past time for God's people to get desperately hungry for him. Because if the fires of revival do not begin to ignite in this country, this nation is going to burn itself up in a raging inferno created by its own hellish rebellion against the holy God. Hell has not yet begun to rear its ugly head in this nation. Because we are a nation that is bent on going against anything that God is for. Which brings me to the second problem we have in the church. We have the aforementioned sheep stealers rather than soul winners. And we cannot reach a lost and dying world. Because we lack the power that the church once knew. Church, listen to me. We were not at one time just the mightiest military nation in the world. We were at one time the most powerful spiritual nation in the world. We used to house the greatest churches and the greatest preachers, particularly in New England. There was a time whenever God was getting ready to do something, he would start it in New England and he would send it across the world. Now we are known as the nation where if the devil wants to promote something, if it works in New England, it works everywhere. You see, the church, we've lost our power. There is a prophet named T.W. Barnes once received a call. Someone said to him, there's a practicing witch in your area who wants to see you. Without hesitation, Pastor Barnes said, I'll see her. Now, let me tell you about most pastors today. If somebody told us a witch was coming to see us, we'd be trying to find the first door to get out of so we can go hide somewhere. Pastor sat in his office and he waited for this woman to walk into the study for her appointment. As she walked in, the Lord said to him instantly, she has come to leave behind some tormenting spirit. When she sat down, he started talking, and the more he talked about the Lord, the more she twisted and she squirmed in her seat. And finally, that lady stood up, and she began to pace the floor. She turns to the pastor, and she says, I cannot stand it here. I've got to get out of here. And after she left, Pastor Barnes prayed. He said, Lord, all those spirits she was bringing to torment me, send them to torment her. Brother Barnes' phone rang the next morning. And it was that woman, that witch that had come to see him in his study the day before. And she said, what did you do to me? 
And he asked, what do you mean? You weren't in my office five minutes. She said, I was tormented all night long. I couldn't sleep, so I just walked the floor. You did something to me. And he said, yes, I did. I told the Lord to send back the spirits you brought to torment me. And I asked that they would do to you what you wanted them to do to me. Church, I tell you this story to tell you that I did not make that up. And for you to understand that there is a power and an authority that was given to us in Jesus' name that will anoint us to rule and to reign right here on this earth. But listen to me. We have lost that edge because of compromise, because of playing church games and seeking everything but the face of God. Listen to me. Luke 9 and 1, Jesus said to his disciples and all subsequent disciples, I am giving you the authority over all demons and all diseases. Everybody say supernatural power. Let me talk about the supernatural power just for a second. Number one, we are created to walk in supernatural power, every last one of us. Number two, that supernatural power is for the possessing of every believer. The third thing is that it is going to take, as I was praying, God said to me, it is going to take supernatural power to reach souls in America. We have got to understand that nobody's coming into the kingdom as long as we continue to have church as it is. We have got to understand that the church is either headed for revival or wrath because in the midst of all that is evil, I hope somebody else feels what I feel. There is a rumbling underneath the surface. There is a a tsunami that is welling up in the spirit realm. And here's what I know. Church, listen to me. The world is tired of hearing pompous churches preaching pompous sermons behind elevated pulpits. Here's what I mean. How dare we tell the world to repent when the house of God is in spiritual disrepair? We look like the world, we walk like the world, we talk like the world. We act just like the world and we cannot change the world as long as we are like the world. And God cannot use us to change the world until he changes us. The fourth thing about supernatural power is that there is no shortcut to supernatural power. If we're going to know the power of God, we must have the very presence of God. And we don't just want the power of God, we want the presence of God. For again, his presence is his power. And we will not know that presence of God, listen to me, but that we fast and we pray. Let me give you some truths concerning prayer and fasting. Number one, we are commanded to pray, not fast. Now, this is important. We are commanded to pray, not fast. The only one of the two that we are commanded to do is to pray. First Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. He's not talking about walking around constantly muttering, acting like you've lost your mind. What he's talking about is having a life that is characterized by prayer, where you're prone to pray in all circumstances that when a problem comes, you don't panic, you pray. Number two, we are expected to fast and pray. Key word, expected. Why am I telling you this? Because I decided that I would check out what other people were saying about prayer and fasting. And there was one common thread that almost every person I looked up had. And it was this. We don't have to fast. 
it is not commanded. So let me talk to you just for a moment. Because while we don't have to fast, there is an expectation of the Father that we will fast. It is to be something that is normal, that's a part of who we are. Matthew 6, 16, Jesus said this to his disciples. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Notice what Jesus say. He didn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. Everybody say expectation. Mark 2, the discussion of disciples of John and the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say to him, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? I love what Jesus said in verse 19. He said, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as the bridegroom is with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom, that is Jesus, will be taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. Let me ask you a question. Is the bridegroom still here? Tell somebody know what days are these the days that the bridegroom has left us everybody say expectation first corinthians 7 and 5 one of my favorite portions of scripture and all of you guys pay attention this is one of my favorite portions of scripture here's what paul says he says the wife does not have authority over her body the husband does i like that i really like that Now watch. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And all the ladies should say, I like that. Now, in other words, what he's saying is that you married folk, you need to not just talk about love. You need to show some love every once in a while. But watch this. He gives an exemption. He says, do not deprive one another except with consent of time. That you may give yourself to fasting and to prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because you lack self-control. Everybody say, expectation. 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 5. Listen to the Apostle Paul. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers in God. In much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distress, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. Everybody say expectation. Now let me turn another corner. I really want you to get this church because we need to understand that prayer and fasting is not only meant to be something that we do often. It is meant to be intentional. I read this from one of the guys who said we don't have to fast. Listen to what he said. When I have intentionally fasted, the experience was never what I expected. Well, I could just stop right there. I never felt closer to God, more focused on his will or spiritually stronger. I knew I was not to rely on feelings that I was to walk by faith and not by sight. But my faith seemed to remain unchanged. He went on to talk about when he fasted. It seemed that he wanted to spend more time on Facebook. He wanted to watch more TV. He wanted to do more stuff. And that for him, fasting was when he was working on the sermon and he forgot to eat. Listen to me. We do not fast by default. We fast by intention. We fast on purpose with purpose. You know what that man's problem was? He didn't understand that you will come out of the presence of God what you go in there after. If you adapt the attitude that fasting is just one of those things, you will never reap the benefits it can bring. I said that to say this. Everybody listen to me. 
Almost every person I checked out on prayer and fasting went out of their way to make sure that people understood you don't have to fast. It is not required if you don't want to. Everybody look at me. I'm going to show you something that is very vital and very important. It is not required that I work out five to six days a week. Neither is it required that I run five to seven miles on those days. But let me tell you what I know. My doctor did not give that advice so I could tell myself I'm not going to do it because it's not required. She gave it to me because she believed that I had enough sense and enough wisdom to understand that if I do these things, they will bring special benefits to my life that will not come to my life any other way. And her expectation is that I'm going to avail myself of those things so that my life will be richer. Listen to me, church. That's why God expects us to fast. He expects us to fast and pray, not to seek to figure out how we can weasel our way into the power of God without making the sacrifice to receive it. Watch now. A guy came over to me last week. I had just finished running about eight miles and lifting some weights, and I'm sweating and I'm dripping. I mean, I am wet. You don't want to come near me when I'm on a treadmill you will get a free shower and I'm done and I'm working out and he walks over to me and he says he's been coming for years I've been coming for years he's never talked to me he walked over and he says man you get every bit out of your workouts you know what I said you're right because I don't have time to talk to people when I'm working out I can't reap my benefit like most of you walking around talking. And let me tell you something. It is that same way when it comes to God in America and in Christians included. We always want the maximum for the minimum. How much can I get with as little investment as possible? And it's affecting us everywhere. Everybody look and pay attention. Now watch this. According to world facts, a person is considered obese if they have a body mass index of 30. Approximately 3.4 million adults succumb to death every year as a result of being obese, of being overweight. Stay with me. Don't get mad. If you need to, never mind. The rise in obesity has been gradual, but the constant across the globe. What the latest estimates suggesting that the world has over a billion obese people. That is double the rate that existed 20 years ago. The United States is the most obese country in Northern America with 36.2% of the population having a body mass index of over 30. Now listen, Lady Brenda and I went down to Dallas one day. We stepped into T.D. Jakes' church. We stepped into the old building. They were building the new building. That church is so big, the new building, that the monitors are about big as this platform. But we went into the old church that said, the sign says it seats 5,000. And we looked at that building, and I said to them, why are you building one for 10? Doesn't this building seat 5? Now understand what I'm about to say, I didn't say. It was a black woman who said it. She said, yep, that was until we got all these chicken-eating mamas in here. Now we can only seat 2,500. Tell somebody, Bishop didn't say it, she did. (laughs) Here's my point. 
Nearly 78 million adults and 13 million children in the United States deal with health and emotional effects of obesity every day. According to the CDC, an average adult is 26 pounds heavier now than in the 1950s. And while there are foods that help us, let me tell you the part we don't like is when the doctor says it's not just losing the weight. But if you're going to truly be healthy, you're going to have to incorporate exercise. You're going to have to raise your heart rate at least three to four times a week. Because why? There is an expectation. And just like there are some benefits that my body only has access to health-wise, when I follow the doctor's prescribed expectations, I need you to understand that there are prescribed expectations that God says you cannot take possession of unless you learn to fast and pray because number three we are void of supernatural power because we do not fast and pray and just like we have a nation full of physically obese people now we're gonna go somewhere we have a church in america full of spiritually obese people I am telling you that the church of Jesus Christ in America, we are not healthy. We are spiritually obese. We are fat. We are overweight Christians. We are full of fluff. Touch somebody and say, don't you dare turn that preacher off. And there is a problem in the pew because fluff flows on the platform. And if there's fluff on the platform, there will be fluff in the pews. When I look on a pastor's website in whom I have invested my heart and my life, and now he's only telling his people, I want you to learn and pray and believe God for more expensive cars and bigger houses. Listen to me. We have become spiritually obese. We are unhealthy. You have been listening to Bishop James E. Collins. To purchase a copy of today's message, please visit us at ehconline.org or call 781-284-0670. It has been a pleasure bringing you the Word of God today. If you are in need of prayer or looking for a church home, please visit us at 1075 Revere Beach Parkway in Revere, Massachusetts. Our service times are 9 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. God bless you until we meet again. This is Bishop James E. Collins of Beyond the Walls Radio Broadcast, inviting you to join us every Sunday on WEZE AM 590 at 12.15 p.m., or visit our Eagle Heights Cathedral Facebook page, streaming of our services. In addition, tune in to listen daily Monday through Friday on WEZE AM 590 at 4 p.m. or by podcast 24-7 at WEZERadio.com for a word of encouragement in these days of uncertainty.